0: Yeah, that was the poll uh, posted last night. Vikings fans, are you a enjoying the season, b bracing for heartache, or c certain of heartache? Which means this
1: means Kenny is on the bandwagon,
0: oh. which is a miracle. He's back. He's back. You know the Vikings don't play hockey, right, Kenny? Just checking. We get things rolling with the opening bell.
3: Want to ring the bell? Kyle Rudolph top of your screen. Two touchdowns last week for him. Keenan rolling that way. Floating an end zone. There's McKinnon in front of his hometown fans. They've got a second down and goal from the six. Keenan looking. Lofting. Enzo
4: Rudolph. Touchdown. Come on, Julio coming off 253. Oh, it had to be a rough week this week. Mentally. Um, mentally, man, you got to be ready for that, man. Like you say, you know, in your days with Jerry, keep you up all night. And with Julio, man, I was all night just thinking about all the routes you run. I mean, how you get off the jam. I mean, I'm thinking about everything. It's running through my mind each and every day. I mean, throughout the week. And um, and it came out. It came out good. I'm
3: looking at in, in three games against Julio, uh, six catches for 69 yards. So you have the formula, baby. You have the kryptonite.
4: <laughs> no, I'm I'm just out there playing my game, man. That's all I saw I can give. You. you know what I'm saying? Like I'm it's no crit. It's not it's nothing it's nothing out there. I'm doing spectacular. Just out there playing exhibit rules game, being physical out the line, you know, and um and just being on each and every round. I didn't
0: realize the Falcons were gonna deactivate Julio Jones uh, for that game yesterday. Where was he? Uh, he was he was, he, uh, he
1: was in the same bin as uh, Laquan Treadwell or Laquan Treadwell. Well, he as, was actually, uh, oh, actually oh, he, he was. He was. Odell Beckham was last year. Uh, Antonio Bryant was.
0: Antonio Brown. Brown.
1: Yeah, You're he to was a great in star. the. Yeah, yeah. Today's show's going real <laughs> well for me. He was in the same Come bin. On, no as first those half guys. stumbles. <laughs> he was in the same bin as all of those young men, which was not catching passes against this defense. Which, by the way, we I'm sure we'll talk a lot about Keenum and the quarterback situation, and we'll talk about. About the offense every conversation about this team every conversation should start what in one place this defense this is the best defense that we have seen and we've seen some ones pop up through the years don't get me wrong but this vikings defense is the best defense that we have seen in 40 plus years this defense this team will win and lose playoff games and potentially Go to the Super Bowl and win or lose that game based on its defense, Phil. Mackey. I
0: think off of that, we have to have a new rule in the NFC. I, I'm gonna. The AFC can have their own rules. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they can still make the rules in the AFC. I think we need a new set of rules in the NFC, starting with this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe this can be a new Mackie and Judd rule of sports fans. All right. If you think your team is hot in the NFC, wait until you play the Vikings to make that determination. Look at what they've done over the past several weeks. Let's let's just start and work backwards. Atlanta Falcons, for example, in the three games leading up to that contest yesterday, mm-hmm. the Falcons were converting on sixty-five percent of their third downs. Mm, yes, for the season they were converting on almost fifty percent of third downs. They were red hot, thirty points a game again, uh, beating the Cowboys, back in playoff contention. The old Matt Ryan, he's start, starting to get this thing revved up again. Julio Jones, 230 yards receiving the week before. And then the Vikings defense comes to town and puts the Falcons to sleep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, L- Lays them out cold. One for 10 on third downs. They didn't score a touchdown. And I think it's the first time in about two full years that Matt Ryan hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. So you think your team is good. You think your team is hot wait till they play the vikings. Okay, Detroit Lions Thanksgiving. Home game for them. They had I want to say 3 or 4 wins in a row to get right back in the division picture, uh chance to to carry the momentum Matt Stafford having a big season and looked like he had never played football in his life in the first half against the Vikings defense. In the week before that, the Los Angeles Rams, 40 points per game on the road. Outscoring opponents by an average margin of 25 going into that game against the Vikings at US Bank Stadium. Mm-hmm. You think your team is hot. Super Bowl contender Rams, right? Greatest show on turf. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Vikings are the real litmus test. They scored seven points in that game. Mm-hmm. The Vikings are the new litmus test in the NFC, especially with the Eagles looking very vulnerable against one of the only viable opponents they've played all season last night. So the Vikings won
1: uh, uh, after they lost October 1st to Detroit uh, here at home. They won four consecutive games. They beat Chicago, they beat Green Bay, Baltimore, and Cleveland. And the Green Bay game might have been impressive, except the quarterback got hurt early in that game. And you came away from all those games saying, well, this team's playing well. But there's not really a test there. There, there wasn't really a great test. And you came out of the bye, you said, okay, last year you came out of the bye and struggled. You played Washington, you beat them. You said, that's a nice win, but let's wait because a week from then you're going to get to the Rams and this is going to be your test. This is going to be, are you for real? Are you an okay team? And you give up a touchdown on the Rams first drive and you're like, oh boy, that was interesting. And you do not give up a point the rest of that game. Test number one passed. You came back four days after against a team, Detroit, which you have struggled against and four days... After that, in, in what is always a tough game, you beat Detroit. So you said, okay, that's pretty good. And then going into Sunday, I said, all right, to me, this is the this is the most important game now of the year. You are on the road. You're playing a really good team. You're playing a team that's won three consecutive and has been scoring points and looking fantastic. And you convincingly, in my opinion, despite the fact you trailed, that was never a game where I said, I think the Vikings are in substantial trouble. So you won that game. I would now contend with four games left. There are no regular season tests left. You need to uh, maintain your position, potentially, as the top seed. You need to keep guys healthy, and you need to hone things. But I really think yesterday was the final regular season game where I said, I think I might have you. I think think it's a gotcha game. Carolina's not, in my opinion. Carolina will be
0: desperate now because they lost to the Saints. That Carolina game is going to be maybe a... With, with Seattle winning and and Rodgers comes back, so the, the Packers might not go away, Carolina might be fighting for its playoff life in that game this weekend, so that's going to be a test as well, but and, even and if you lose that game at this point. seeding
1: wise that's an important game. But my point my point is now, you have at every turn since the bye, when, when I've thought, okay, there's a real chance for a slip-up here, if you lose to Carolina, it's too bad. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, you can't lose a game. Mm-hmm. So I really think as far as the regular season, the true Tesco, you have passed them basically since you lost to Detroit on October 1st. You have passed every potential test that you put for this team.
0: Yeah, you know what, too? I think we've looked at that Saints game at the beginning of the year, the Bradford 350-yard career game. And then the Saints lost in Week 2, and then they they won like seven or eight games in a row. And now now the Saints are... They, The Saints handled Carolina yesterday, but we look at that game and say, well, that was a different Saints team. Like, was it? How different was
1: it? You don't necessarily... That's a very good point. You don't necessarily know. The
0: Vikings have handled, with relative ease, especially defensively, the Rams, the Falcons in their own building, the Lions... Now, they lost to the Lions earlier in the year, but um, it's possible You know, the Saints have gotten better throughout the season. I'm not going to deny that, but... When we just kind of dismissed that in some ways. Ah, oh, well, I mean, that was... you lucky you caught the Saints. I, right. I mean... You don't know that for sure. The Vikings are the litmus test in the NFC. Can I, can I
1: submit to you, and this is very rare, can I submit to you that the Vikings went into Atlanta on Sunday and laid down a complete blueprint for how they're going to win in, in the playoffs and that they did it and it doesn't matter the team saw it? Yesterday was a... If you want a reason to be excited and... and If you are a Vikings fan who is 40 years of age or younger, you are basically your experience with this team being good has been based on one thing. High flying, really fun offenses. Yes. Which, by the way, are are akin to going to the top of the building and dangling off. You're eventually going to fall. You don't know when. Those types of teams don't don't always
0: travel well, play outside well. But besides like this team travels. But
1: besides like the Rams. The, the 98 Vikings and 2009 Vikings, basically, you watched them play and you said, this is great fun, and what you didn't want to think about was, what if something goes wrong? Because the defense couldn't necessarily respond. The Vikings yesterday went and played a a what I perceive to be a good team in a playoff environment, and they beat them with the blueprint that you are going to need in the playoffs. Even if you have to go on the road, that is it. Defense is outstanding. This defense is fantastic. The offense is incredibly well run. It's efficient as hell. You and we don't even need to get down to is there an offensive star? It doesn't matter if if you want to say Keenum's great, go for it. That's fantastic. But we do not need to say that this team has a Moss or a Peterson. They don't. It doesn't matter. What you saw yesterday was the was the recipe for how you're going to win playoff games,
0: and you showed it. And there's nobody that can say, "Okay, I can beat that because this defense is that good. Yeah, it's uh, the 98 and 2009 teams as great as those offenses were. And at the time, that 98 offense was an NFL changing, historically good offense. And then the Rams took it and brought it to a new level in the next few years. And then the Patriots with Randy Moss like 10 years later. Uh, But those teams were a little bit too reliant on offensive flash and outscoring the opponent and uh, th- this team is grimy. This is, uh, you know, this is to use some hockey terms. This is much more of a greasy, gritty team. Greasy that, touchdowns. Like they, they can beat you fourteen to nine on the road. They can beat you by scoring thirty plus points if they need to. Uh, th- this is this is e- even though you're on your third string quarterback and your star versatile second round draft pick running back is out, um, and you've got an undrafted star receiver. Like this is maybe the best offense we've seen in twenty years. I, th- you could put this offense in terms of productivity and relative to the rest of the league up there with the 2009 team just in a different way. They're doing it. It's different. It's not Brett Favre at quarterback. Uh, but to your point, the way they're beating teams, it ain't like they had a punt return touchdown. In fact, I want to read an email. This is a good email from Dan here. Mackie and Judd at 1500ASPN.com. And by the way, uh, we, have, we have a few guests today, but we'll keep the vent lines open. If you guys have thoughts or opinions on how good this Vikings team is. Are you enjoying the season or mostly bracing for heartache based on the history of this franchise? 651-646-8255, 615 Email from Dan. Uh, to me, the most impressive thing about the Vikings' impressive performance yesterday is that it's repeatable. It was not flashy. No interception returns for touchdowns, no sacks, no flash plays and yet a thorough dismantling of a quality opponent on the road. To do that, they had to keep doing the right things over and over repeatedly. That's no fluke, and it reminds me of the way Tim Duncan played his basketball in his Hall of Fame career. Uh-huh. Uh, he's right. They uh-huh. did no kick big kick returns. No, It wasn't like Matt Ryan threw two or three tipped interceptions. And it wasn't like the Vikings hit on a bunch of deep passes. In fact, Case Keenum didn't complete a pass that traveled beyond 20 yards in the air. They just surgically dismantled the Falcons. Five yards, six yards. And two great touchdown drives. Two yes. Shir- two Sherman plays,
1: 89 yards. Yeah. Keenum-led touchdown drives that were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic.
4: But we have a good bunch of guys. Um, you know, whether it's Kendricks or Thielen or Riley Reif or whoever it is, we've got a good bunch of guys, a good bunch of fighters on this football team. And, um, you know, um, man, I, think, I think maybe they believe now. Doesn't matter how. It... Uh... It matters how many, and you know we got a we got a good football team that fought today. I think it was a good, really, really? good team win. Um, you know, converting in the red zone, for, you know, for touchdowns, I think is huge. Our defense holding them to field goals, um, you know, it was a great, uh, great team win.
0: Case Keenum uh, yesterday. Let's let's take a quick break. Come back. You have been on the phone with Viking sources discussing tiebreakers. Yes, I have. Uh, Judge been crunching the phones of and and doing all kinds of research. We're on to the fourth tiebreaker I believe. We are. As of last night. So let's kind of sort this out. Look at the landscape of where the Vikings stand in the NFC. What's at stake? And also I want to throw at you the biggest compliment I can give Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman as it pertains to what's happening this season. Kevin Seifert from espn.com at 9:30, Courtney Cronin covers the Vikings for ESPN at 11:30. Superstar Mike Morris Vikings 10-2, and 2, phone lines open, 651-646-8255.
2: Okay, let's go. Running your mouths counts as a morning run, right? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
3: Tina. Lucky. locked against a Rudolph touchdown. In a week like this, does he change, does he fluctuate, or is
4: he the same old Zen? Man, he the same old oh, Zim. Yeah. He gonna get in your chest, yes. and he gonna yell at you if you ain't doing right. Man, him is him. He ain't changed for nothing. Like he don't care. If we twelve and no fifteen and no, he's still gonna get cursed out. But he's gonna make you better. He's gonna make yeah. you. He gonna make you better. Yes, uh, he will.
0: Deion Sanders and Xavier Rhodes on NFL Network last night. Uh, just for fun, I posted this last night. For Vikings fans, a poll on my Twitter account, at Phil Mackey. As a Vikings fan, are you A, enjoying the season, B, bracing for heartache, or C, certain of heartache? 60% are in the heartache range somewhere. 17% are certain of heartache, and then another 40-some percent are, uh, are bracing for heartache. Which, you know, if, if, you, if you've gone 50-plus years as a franchise and there are no reference points for any of the fans for a happy ending to the season, I get that you're assuming the worst. If you're a Patriots fan, you've got all these reference points built up. Yeah. You know you're going to win a bunch of championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get it, but it does. we were just talking off the air, you know, Dave coming in this morning for the morning updates. This does have the same feel now as the lead-up to 09 did. 98 was a little different because the lead-up was just oh my God, no one can come within 20 points of this team. It wasn't even guarded in the least bit until the second half of the NFC Championship game. But it does have that same once every 10 years feel to it.
2: I went into the game, Think I was very much in the bracing for heartache category. Even in this game, I was, you know, well, I mean, you're going to Atlanta, a team that's desperate and really good. And then watching the first drive Atlanta had that ended in the field goal as Atlanta was taking penalties all drive long and still finding a way to convert and convert and convert. And then the Vikings just shoved them for the entire rest of the game, just like the Rams game. Mm -hmm. First drive was all offense and then the defense. And I, I, I woke up this morning and thinking, oh, no, I'm in. I'm officially all in. His emotions. his emotions. It's happening. Oh. It's bleeping happening. <laughs> it's hard not to be right now. I, I'm, I'm back to my apartment in 09, NFC Championship game. As that game goes on, every first down, clinking beers with my buddies, cheering for Brett, cheering for the rest of the boys. It might come crashing down, but I don't care right now. Yeah, I'm in.
0: It's super fun. I remember being told right before the NFC Championship game in 09 by my former employer, hey, just so you know, if they win this game today, you're booked to go to, where was it? I guess Miami, Miami. was the Super Bowl. Miami, yes. You're yes. booked to go to Miami for uh, for the Super Bowl. And, of course, that was the ultimate jinx, but yeah.
1: I think the difference, the difference from 98 definitely from a fan standpoint is this. I don't sense the hubris from the organization and or the fan base. 98, you got hottie. Ninety eight, you basically said, Okay, just try and stop Randy Moss. Well, you score forty points yeah. every game, that's gonna happen. You yeah. can't help to. Okay. Two thousand nine, I don't think it was as much hubris, but the far factor made you feel emboldened. We got Green Bay's guy, and now we're gonna shove it up the Packers bleep, right?
0: Yeah. It felt it felt
2: inevitable in yeah. some way. Yeah. And and so the pro- and the problem with 09 is the Saints were always the guy in the conference. They were the team you were chasing all yes. year long. So yep. it was always, well, we're going to have to play the Saints. So. On the road, yeah.
1: Yes. I, I think the thing with this team is twofold. One, it's way more of a defensive blue-collar team. So so the head coach doesn't exu- exude hubris. He exudes some confidence, and he's a hard-nosed guy. But I don't sense a high-flying, just watch us now um, the other thing about this team though, and, and this is where this is where I'm very, very torn right now because I like this team. It's a likable team, it's a really good team. Where I'm torn is this. And I started following the Vikings in 78. So the great defenses were were sort of going away by then. I mean, I was never involved in in when the defenses were fantastic. Where I'm torn with this team is between do I put my faith and trust completely in Keenum? because I still think there's that shadow of a doubt there that something might go wrong. But the flip side to that is this defense is so damn good, even if it does go wrong, unless he throws just a terrible pick six in OT or something, I'm not quite sure that the defense couldn't go out there and stop the team.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's and then there's also the uh, post-traumatic stress kicker syndrome that we live with every day of our lives as Vikings fans and followers, where do you really trust... A Kai Forbath, and this is why sixty percent of people are bracing for heartache or certain of heartache on the poll we put up. But do you really trust if you are going to play three playoff games? If it takes you, th- if you get a first round buy, and it takes you three playoff games to win the Super Bowl, do you trust Kai Forbath in close games because you are probably going to be playing more defensive centric games, right? To make somewhere between five and ten key kicks, or whatever that you know, splits up between extra points and, and field goals. And the answer is, no, you don't fully trust all the aspects of this entire team. You trust most of them, but you don't trust the kicker always, and you probably don't fully trust the quarterback. But that doesn't mean that we can't have some fun and enjoy the most exciting season since 2009. You did put
1: the poll out, by the way.
0: No, but I put it up just out of curiosity. I mean, I, I would vote enjoy the season because if you can't, at least enjoy the season. Well yeah, regardless of what happens in the end, then there's no point in being a sports fan. There's literally no point. The, it, it, this is all about entertainment for starters. So if you if if all you're hoping for at the end of each season is a championship to make sure. you feel good, then the only fan base in America that's going to always feel good is Boston.
1: But I I can't blame if if you're a Vikings fan and you started to uh to follow this team closely in 85 All you know are championship game heartbreaks and playoff meltdowns and embarrassments. So I certainly can't blame you for for enjoying the season but also doing it with this trepidation of oh my god I feel like I've been here not once not twice but about yeah. four times before.
0: So what are right now the Vikings are if you're waking up this morning and you you know maybe you checked out after the Vikings game the Eagles lost on the road pretty handily to the Seahawks last night. Now they did fumble on the goal line at one point so maybe the score wasn't quite indicative of of that game but uh, the Seahawks beat the Eagles. So the Eagles and the Vikings are tied at 10 and 2. Correct. But you go down to the fourth tiebreaker. Yes. And you have an explanation of the tiebreakers. Right now, the Vikings would be the number one seed in the NFC Correct. and would have home field advantage through the Super Bowl. Oh, even <laughs> they though would they, never they'd have be the road leave, team in their own stadium. But
1: they would but, never have to yeah. leave Minneapolis through the Super Bowl. Uh, the tiebreaker that you have to go down to uh, to find why the ten and two Vikings lead the ten and two Eagles is strength of victory. To date, the winning percentage of the teams the Vikings have beaten is four fifty. So they and and those teams have won a combined fifty six games. The winning percentage of the teams the Eagles have beaten is three seventy five, which wow. means they've won a combined forty two games.
0: So the so the Eagles the, the perception of the Eagles having a weak schedule they've feasted on bad teams. They have indeed. And last night when they faced a good one on the road, they did not look quite as impressive. Yeah, their wins have come
1: against Washington, five wins. The Giants, two wins. Chargers, Arizona, Carolina, which is a good win. Washington again that counts. San Francisco, two wins. Denver, three wins. Dallas. And Chicago. Yeah. So they have beaten a handful of teams with either two or three wins. Uh, the the tiebreaker, so the first tiebreaker is head-to-head. They don't play, so that's out. The second is conference record. Both teams right now are 8-1. and one. The third one, which actually might come into play as soon as Sunday, would be best one-loss percentage in common games, but you have to have played at least four common games. Yeah. And the only common opponent so far between these two teams are the Bears and Redskins they're both two and0 and they're both two and0 The Vikings have the Panthers on their schedule this coming Sunday the Eagles have played the Panthers. the Eagles have the Rams who the Vikings beat So that's going to meet so that's going to give you four common opponents at that point So if the team if both teams win, you still stay with the fourth tiebreaker if the Vikings lose and Philadelphia wins or vice versa you then bump up to the common opponent's third tiebreaker. Wow that's the explanation.
0: Uh, so the in the and, and the Eagles, so that Rams game is not a that's a the Rams are really good. The Rams bounced back. Uh, they won that game against Arizona yesterday, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they did okay. Mm-hmm. They, they 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 took like the big lead early and then they kind of squandered it, but then they went on to win. Mm-hmm. um so I, I i I would have said definitively before this weekend, yeah, the Eagles, I know they haven't played the Vikings, so it's hard to tell a little bit. But the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, and the Vikings are chasing them. I'm not so sure after watching yesterday. I am not so sure anymore. The Eagles have played a much weaker schedule. Both teams had tough road tests against teams that have gone to and or won the Super Bowl and or MVP quarterbacks. Yeah. And one team handled the road the the the, the home team yep. and the other team struggled mightily. So All right,
1: I'm going to I'm going to go somewhere very dangerous right now, but I'll go there. Wow. Wow. Given the state of how they play, And given their health right now, so health becomes important, can you name me a National Football League team, a defense that you would take above the Vikings right now? Because to me, that's how you win championships, right? Yes.
0: Yes, I can. Okay. I wouldn't take the teams, though. All right. The way the Ravens and the Jaguars, the Ravens, and we don't watch them on a weekly basis, so this is going to sound stupid to Vikings fans. Like, well, what do you mean? We watch the Vikings' defense every week, and it's an unbelievable defense. What the Ravens and Jaguars have done to opposing quarterbacks all season, though, and now maybe they've faced—I'd have to go look at their schedules, but maybe they faced weaker quarterbacks. But that Jaguars' defense had Ben Roethlisberger throwing five interceptions. So what? They, what those defenses have done against opposing quarterbacks and the turnovers they generate, that's actually the one somewhat missing element from this Vikings' defense— they don't get as many turnovers or takeaways as some of the other top defenses. And if you compare it to like Denver from a few years ago mm-hmm. or Seattle from a few years ago, if you could nitpick here and say, if you could add one layer to this defense, it would be taking your dominance to another level by generating more two or three turnovers,
1: interceptions on a regular basis. I think I might be with you on Jacksonville. I saw Baltimore. I would take this defense. I mean, the Baltimore defense is playing exceptionally well. But I think the only other team that I that I might say that I might take is Jacksonville. But my point being is, and this is the most important thing now, if you can keep this defense healthy, if you could keep the key components on this defense healthy for these last four games, you're going to go into the playoffs with a blueprint that can't really just be deconstructed.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's not like, oh, you'll just shut down Randy Correct. Moss or whatever and and find or another like way. like Thielen, if we stop Thielen and Diggs, they're done. Yeah. What but I also like is that it it doesn't require a big-time offensive performance like it would have in 2009 or 1998. You can win a game 14 to 9 on the road. That's a that's a new layer that we're not used to watching here. Definitely. As you start to check boxes for playoff contention, Kevin Seifert from espn.com, NFL columnist will join us. When we come back here on Mackie and Judd and uh and, and have the phone number if you guys want to chime in once Kevin's off the phone, six five one six four six-eight two five five or 615 uh, 1500. Vikings Vent line is on demand. You guys have a purple podcast on demand from uh, yesterday. We'll get to Kevin Seaford here in just a minute. The Chris Lindall team, my friend Chris Lindahl, who you see uh, his gigantic mug all over the billboards around the Twin Cities, arms widespread. Let's just say, as you can tell. He knows marketing, his team knows marketing, and they apply that marketing expertise and all the fun they have with the marketing to making you money, selling your home. That's what they did for me almost a year ago now. I made so much more money than I ever could have imagined selling through the Chris Lindahl team, the number one REMAX results team, and... um you can find out for yourself what the experience is like by going to ChrisLindahl.com. That's Chris with a K or calling his bat line 763-401-SOLD. And now through December 15th, Chris Lindall is saying thank you to the Mackie and Judd listeners. Somebody's going to win a free listing contract with Chris Lindall. That means a family will get their house sold for free with the full marketing that goes with it. Now until December 15th, ChrisLindahl.com. That's Chris with a K or 763-401-SOLD. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad.
5: There's so many opinions. Every morning, people tune into you guys and get a good one. Mackey and Judd. Not a good one, just a great one and an honest one. And not just yelling back and forth. On 1500 ESPN.
4: I thought the drive there at the end, would, you know, there's four-minute drive that we had at the end of the ballgame to, to put it away was, was a huge uh, game, a uh, big Big test of our wills to be able to, you know, run the ball for first downs with Latavius being physically running and, uh, you know, and then the third down catch by Adam and and the throw by Case was big. Uh,
0: Yeah, the Vikings are good at football. I think we've learned that through the first three months of the NFL season. And now they have, according to the fourth tiebreaker, the number one seed in the NFC uh, as we go into the month of December. Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com. Judd and I were both kind of saying that before this weekend we would have said, yeah, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, and then the Vikings are chasing them, and we'll see what happens. But with what happened with the Vikings handily defeating that Falcons offense in their own building, and then the Eagles slipping up against a quality opponent, I'm not so sure there's a gap there anymore. What do you think about the NFC landscape?
5: I mean, I've always felt, like I've, well, not always, but i felt for the past mm. few weeks that there really wasn't much separating the Eagles and the Vikings, especially when you took into account the context of what was to come. Uh, by far the the most difficult part of the Eagles' schedule was in front of them. Uh, starting last night in Seattle, they're going to stay out west this week, and then play the Rams uh, uh, next Sunday. And that's obviously another quality opponent. And you know they could certainly win that game, but if they lost, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be uh, shocking because the Rams are a pretty good team too. And uh, so there was always this possibility that that the small gap in the standings uh, would be would would be shrunk to basically zero just because of the schedule and the context. So I'm not shocked that we're at we are where we are. Um, I know but the Viking fans I've talked to so far this morning are all uh, holding their breath and not getting too excited, which is smart because uh, as easily as they got this number one seed uh, temporarily for this week, they could lose it uh, with tiebreakers the next week, and so. Very much a long way to go there, but uh, to me, it just kind of confirms that there's not a huge difference between those two teams at the top of the NFC.
1: Help me out here, Kevin. Uh, as as two guys who have watched this team for a long, long time, yeah, I'm struggling with this one. I don't have complete faith in Case. He's done a great job, okay? Okay. But I still look at Case and I say, this is the type of quarterback who could make one hurried or rushed decision in a key game and cost you. But but where that's a little bit unfair to this team as a whole is, this is the best defense I think I have seen, uh, at least on a consistent basis, since I started to watch this club. So how should I feel? Should I default to the old school Vikings feel of, uh-oh, this could go wrong? Or, or should I feel like... Even if Case makes a mistake, if it's not a uh, catastrophic mistake, this defense could do uh, something that perhaps the '98 or '2009 club couldn't do, which is make up for it by stopping the offense.
5: Yeah, I mean the 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 good thing about where they stand uh, is that this defense is just choking people right now. I mean, they just, I mean, you if you watch the Falcons a couple weeks ago against uh, Seattle, go into Seattle um, against a defense that's not quite as. Uh, good as it has been historically but still pretty good and just go up and down the field and then you watch last week and they had uh, julio jones has 253 yards uh receiving and by all accounts they seem to be just um hitting their stride offensively right when they needed to do it and then they're playing at home and the vikings just go in there and choke them i mean they just choked them and that when you when you have a the defense, it's not going to happen every play of every week for the rest of the season, but when you have a defense that over the course of, of, of a period of time is just uh, locking down an opponent that is really good on offense right now, uh, that's a huge advantage, and that, that certainly plays into how Case uh, can play and the, and the margin of error he has. He's not operating under a, a margin of error where he has to score 30 points, or his he and the offense need to score 30 points a game to have a chance to win, and we've seen Uh, across the nfl what that can drive uh you know non-elite quarterbacks to try and and attempt and and where they can get desperate in some situations but look he's going to make mistakes you know carson Wentz last night made some mistakes last night uh he's the the runaway or not the runaway but he's he's up there in terms of the mvp um russell wilson is another mvp candidate he makes mistakes case keenum's going to make some mistakes and it might cost them a game uh they need to understand that that's that's very much a possibility, but I do think he's shown enough that like one or two mistakes shouldn't redirect what he's, uh, you know, the attention on all the things that he's been able to do. I think they demonstrated that during the game yesterday. Um, There's some things that he's just really good at that, that are benefiting this offense that most quarterbacks, um, whether it's, you know, him buying time or finding people uh, on sort of off schedule uh, routes uh, that he's really good at. And it's benefiting them. And he has the, the uh, breathing room to be able to try that kind of uh, approach because of the way this defense is playing.
0: You know, the the, the NFC is so fascinating with the Vikings and the Eagles, up upstart teams that missed the playoffs last year at the top. Yeah. And then Kevin, everything after that is either a Hall of Fame quarterback, a Super Bowl champion, uh, a, a you know a team that went to the Super Bowl in, in Carolina a couple of years ago. Like Rodgers is even still lurking if the Packers can okay. beat the Browns. So the, the teams that are going to be playing on the road in the playoffs are all very much tested. So it's going to be a fun bracket compared to the AFC, regardless of of the seating.
5: Yeah, it would. I mean, it, 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 I've, every week for the past probably five or six weeks, I've been doing sort of the playoff picture analysis. And as the weeks have gone on, the, the strength has moved. You know, has clearly shifted towards the NFC. There's some really good AFC teams too, in particular the Patriots and the Steelers. But there's a huge drop off after that. Um, you know, right now the Titans would be the number three seed in the uh, in the AFC if the playoffs were over. And I don't know if the Titans would be in the top seven. Uh, of the NFC uh, if, if if they had been playing their season in the NFC and so that uh, really tells you where that what the strength is and you know you always say gets the playoffs and then anything can happen and that's really going to be the case in the NFC if you're the sixth seed uh, you know the sixth seed is going to be a really good team and if you're the first seed uh, you know whoever you end up playing uh, is probably going to be a lot better than than what you might have seen in other years, or what the AFC is going to see. I mean, right now the Steelers and, and Patriots should have should have smooth sailing. You would think to the AFC Championship game, Not a lot uh, to be uh, to be determined. But between now and then, but I don't think you can look at the NFC uh, standings in any way make a prediction about uh, who's the strongest team, uh, the strongest teams with the high likelihood to make the NFC Championship game. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a battle each week.
1: Give me the sneakiest team right now. Which team do you see sort of quietly gaining ground and coming up, Kevin Seaford?
5: Well, uh, based on how they played yesterday, I mean, if Russell Wilson, you know, the Seahawks can be um, can be as uh, you know out of, out of their minds as they played last night, then they could. They're in position where they could easily uh, leapfrog over the Rams and and become the the NFC West uh, champions and be the third and be the third seed at the very least. And then then you start talking about teams having to go to Seattle to win playoff games. And that's always uh, a very difficult proposition. So I think they're in position. I thought the Falcons, I still think the Falcons can be a team that, I mean, that was a good, obviously Vikings team that they lost to. And it's not like they got blown out. So I still think the Falcons can make some noise as well. Yeah.
0: That's the thing. There's like, there's about six or seven teams in the NFC that wouldn't shock you if they won the Super Bowl including if somehow the Packers with Aaron Rodgers were to, yeah. were, to, were to get there as the six seed, you'd say, well, they're in. And yeah. you know, of, of the teams that would get in, I don't think yeah, any kind of them of would more. really shock you.
5: I mean, the, the year the Packers won the Super Bowl, they I think they, they needed to win their last two regular season games just to qualify. And they got in as the, as the six seed and they went all the way. I mean, it just depends when you get hot. Um, and, and if you have a quarterback playing out of his mind, which is certainly what Aaron did that year, um, in the playoffs and you know i I think we don't want to get too far ahead of our over our skis on on the packers and the packers are and Rodgers are purposely not scanning that collarbone every week like they did uh the last time this happened um i don't know if it's superstition or if they're concerned that that will somehow affect his recovery but uh they don't know if it's still broken or not or and he hasn't done anything close to something that would suggest he's ready to to play anytime soon so there's a long way to go in that regard but um, it is interesting that he is looming there on, on the horizon
1: boys i've got a question off the game uh the one thing that i simply don't get and it's not a vikings thing it's a falcons thing why on earth would dan quinn faced with that fourth down try and kick a field goal and not go for it why i don't understand why Given all the information that people have now, and all the young minds that basically say the, the way you used to think about things have changed, why would you not go go for it on fourth down there in the fourth quarter when there was no guarantee that you were going to get the ball back?
5: I, you know, I don't have an explanation. You know, did he not uh, trust his offense to, to be able to get the yardage? I wonder if that. I mean, could that have been part of it? The way the Vikings' defense was playing, I, I don't know if we could make like a logic based argument for why he didn't do it, other than. Coaches are, are very conventional, and even when you occasionally see teams go for two or go for it on fourth down, the vast majority of the decisions that NFL coaches make are from a defensive uh, standpoint to, to minimize the, the chances of a of a of a, of a bad decision uh, coming to light. And it's much easier for them to defend it to their owners and and to fans uh, that you know they did the conventional thing and, and didn't and weren't more aggressive and. Especially if it didn't work, and so that. I, but I don't know that you know that, that that's an issue that that's throughout you know week to week. You see this from so many coaches, and even even the ones that you would consider more progressive. Um, there's just not the level of aggression, not the willingness to take those risks, and whether that was even a risk, I don't, I don't know if that would have qualified as one. But you see far too many conservative, conventional calls on a week to week basis. Uh,
0: I've, I've heard. I've, I think this came up uh, when Case Keenum was on with Golic and Wingo this morning. MVP and Keenum in the same sentence in terms of just you know being in the conversation. Uh, do you think that's right? Do you think Case Keenum yeah. should be in the MVP conversation? Yep.
5: Absolutely. I, we have a um, uh, MVP watch that uh, we publish uh, every every week or every other week as the season comes down, and we have to vote for five people. And he was in one of the five that I voted for. I mean, I I don't know how you you know obviously the MVP ends up being the quarterback on one of the on the best or one of the best teams, and so it's. We can always debate for hours about how you should choose an MVP, but under the, 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 um, the way it's typically um, determined, I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, in terms of value, when a backup quarterback can, can, not, can not only sustain but enhance the level of play over the course of an entire season. I mean, it's not like he came in come in and, and started a few games for an injured starter who's coming back. I mean, he took over essentially in week two. Um, and for a backup quarterback or anybody to come in and, 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 and have a team in, in first place um, alongside very impressive uh, uh, statistics, not just conventional but also the deeper analytics ones, he's been at the top of the QBR list for mo- since he since he qualified in the middle of the season. Um, absolutely think that, that, his, his, that he's demonstrated his value to this team and, and around the league. And does that mean he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback? No. But this year, uh, he has been amongst the most valuable players to his team and anybody in the NFL. Yeah. In
0: yeah, it's been it's been super fun to watch, and uh, we'll see what, what winds up happening. But this has the same feel as once every 10 years where the Vikings have a team that's good enough to go really deep, and then yeah. may the football gods determine what happens at that point.
5: <laughs> For sure. They always do. Thanks,
0: yep. Kevin. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Yep. Talk to you. All right, Kevin Seifert from ESPN.com. 651 1500. We're guest free for a few segments. If you guys want to chime in and uh, talk some Vikings, talk about what you think lies ahead in January or February. <laughs> Do you have trepidation if you dare already? Look that far ahead. Uh, or if you're just trying to hide in the fetal position <laughs> from week to week, Mackie and Judd.
2: Jackie and Judd are back. The Emperor does not share your optimistic appraisal of the situation. On 1500 ESPN. Don't miss Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, and Katie Holmes in the high-octane comedy Logan Lucky, certified fresh by Rotten Tomatoes. Get the film critics are calling magnificent and fun from start to finish. Own Logan Lucky on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital, and head to the fifteen hundred ESPN stream player right now to win your very own Blu-ray combo pack of Logan Lucky. They've got a second down
3: and goal from the six. Tina. Lucky walked Rudolph, touchdown!
4: I assume he's your starter at Carolina next Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'll i confirm yeah.
0: that right now. In fact, we, w- gonna start. what we need is, we, we're going to have to have, because we're as guilty as any show or any collection in this town of just, we've been talking a lot of quarterback, Bridgewater, Keenum, but it's because the head coach continues to talk a lot about the quarterback position over
2: the past couple months. So <laughs> He actually talks very little about it. Zimmer? Well, yeah, when he says, yeah. Oh, right. He but... talks a little, but he leaves a lot of room for women. Correct. That's mm-hmm. a better way of putting
0: it, yeah. So we almost need like a like a swear jar, but a Bridgewater jar. Collar will be broke. Well? Collar will be absolutely broke. Hey, then he could fund the show. He'll
1: be living on the street.
0: Let's put a Folgers coffee can in the middle of the table, and anytime someone mentions Teddy Bridgewater, period. At all? The rest of the week. Because the Chicago game, you never know. No. <laughs> No, the rest of this week. Okay. That Chicago game. If they have if they have seating locked up, they could they could play Teddy right, Bridgewater I'm, then. I'm up for it. But for it. the rest of this week? Dollar? Are we in? I'm yeah. up for it. A dollar. Every time oh, you yeah. mention Teddy Bridgewater. Yep. After I, I get like done it. saying his name a million times right now, I like you it. owe a dollar, and then that uh, that fund can go to charity or something. So,
2: question know. for you guys: Case starting this week, if he were to get hurt or you play poorly, who who's backing him up? Uh, Kyle Slaughter, really? I Kyle, think so. I think Slaughter, but yeah, Slaughter. That's good don't really? forget, his name don't right.
1: forget, Bradford's coming back for the playoffs. Can come off IR. He, <laughs> he could can. step right back into what was his job <laughs> last time I looked. Bradford played a great game against
0: the Saints. Don't know what you guys yeah. got against Sam Bradford. Six five one six four six eight two five five. What's up, Doug? You're on the show.
3: Hey, guys. Enjoy the show. Uh, great win yesterday. I am definitely on the enjoy the season uh, side of the coin. And a couple comments about that. We have so many talented players. It's, just, uh, it's fun to watch individual plays and um You know, watch the individual super talented guys perform, whether it's Rhodes or Harrison Smith or uh, Phelan or whoever. So, you know, I've been through the ups and downs, the missed kicks and everything else. So I'm just enjoying watching, you know, a talented group of people play. Uh, Another thing is just uh, Mike Zimmer said and, and did a couple of stupid things last year, but. I think he's an easy guy to root for. So, um, you know, that makes it it enjoyable, too. I think we got good coaches and a good team. And uh, so I'm a Zimmer fan. And then one one particular play from yesterday, I can't recall what uh, part of the game it was, but Linville Joseph made a play on uh, the Atlanta running back. He moved. His left about four steps and made an individual tackle for loss. I couldn't believe how quick that guy was. The mountain of a guy, and he just ran the running back down and put him on the turf. So uh, go bikes and join the season. Everybody else should too.
0: Yeah, right on, he, Doug. Thanks for the phone call. He man.
1: goes five yards, eight yards downfield and tackles guys. Yeah. I've seen him go. I've seen him make plays where he's basically in the linebacker space. Yeah,
0: you know who was, and and we could say this every week, but who was especially dominant yesterday was Harrison Smith again. Always, yes. On every play, it seems like he's either he's either blitzing and flustering the quarterback. Yep. Or he's there's a couple plays where he got the hockey assist on the tackle. Where if you were he didn't touch the the guy who had the ball necessarily, but he barreled into on a screen pass, he would barrel into two blockers and then the next guy would come in and make the tackle. There was a play early in the game. I think it was first quarter. It was a screen pass out to the left Mm -hmm. to, uh, I don't remember which running back, but there were two defenders and Harrison Smith split the defenders like a basketball player would getting trapped. Like a really good point guard would split the defenders and get into the lane. Mm -hmm. He splits the defenders and makes the tackle and blows it up after two yards. It's like, this guy is, and he does it all the time. Yes,
1: the stat the stat that uh, that uh, people focus on that we saw yesterday that is hugely overrated as sacks. They didn't have a sack. Matt Ryan was never comfortable. Matt Ryan looked the entire game like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and and you went and looked at the sacks. They didn't have one. It doesn't matter. They, put, they apply so much pressure, and what they do so well, and this is where the personnel and the scheme meld together, what they do so well, I think, is this. You don't know where the pressure's going to come from down by down. So, like, you're guessing, you're guessing, you're guessing, and, and what they are able to do is, if they don't bring Harrison Smith, they bring a corner, they bring a linebacker, they drop a defensive tackle back, the ability that they have to meld their scheme with personnel that's really good is extremely impressive. But we always get so focused on sacks. How many sacks does a guy have? You didn't have one on Sunday. It didn't matter.
0: And Julio Jones, who had 230 yards last week, had two catches yesterday for like 20 yards.
4: You know, Xavier did a great, great job. But our, all our guys in the back end today, I thought, did a great job. Uh, you know, Trey and, um, you know, the safeties, you know, we're you know we very rarely will just say, hey, you know, you got him and um, you know, it's just the way the way we felt like we had to play to win this football game. Uh, we know how great of a player he is and how talented he is. And uh, you know it's 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 important that we try to take away some of the opponent's strengths each week.
0: Uh, let's come back here. six five one six, four six, eight two five five. We'll just keep the vent lines open throughout the entire show eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Case Keenum. Getting MVP buzz as we enter uh, the last four games of the season. The biggest compliment we can give to Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman when we come back here talking 10-2 and two Vikings pretty much wall-to-wall today.